So we were just talking about how uh, James sounds better over mics than in real life. Yeah, like the most like backhanded compliment I received like all week. It's Jordan, Jordan, Jordan's just like, yeah, I like how your voice, your voice sounds better when, when I'm listening to it through headphones. It tickles my ears. Like not tickles your ears. You're doing one year off kind of thing, like a cool kid. One year on, one one year off. No, I I like both ears. No, I I feel, I feel more like without the headphones, I feel like more like I'm having a, just like a regular cool conversation with, instead of being all official, you know, I I mean, I feel cooler because I feel like I'm recording a podcast. I don't. I don't walk around all day wearing headphones. I want to feel like I'm just like, I met you guys on the street and then five minutes later, we just start chatting it up and, and we were getting along and everyone's having fun. Said, That's, hey, speak for me. And we said, hello. And you're yeah. like, your voice sounds beautiful. You'll do. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> the voice of an angel. Okay. Okay. Um, but uh, let's like quickly, like, I don't know, like going, how was your week, Jordan? Like how... My week, I almost died in a car ride because of okay. all the rain that's been happening. Torrential rainfall in Tampa, rainfall in Tampa this week. Um, lots of flash flooding. I was driving down our beloved uh, State Road 60, and Ooh. someone was doing probably 60 on State Road 60, and they hit this massive puddle, and I was on the opposite lane. Yeah, I'm not going to say how fast I was going, but I did see them sliding and about to flip into my lane, and they career like they turned and careened and um slid completely twice in my lane 720 yeah and passed me though like they missed me by probably 10 feet and then they just went crazy and then there was a a police officer immediately behind them uh thankfully and like turned on the lights and made sure no one was going to hit them because they were now probably a lot of whiplash in the other lane okay you're i was just sweaty so i was (laughs) My palms were covered in sweat. Be careful in the rain. Um, okay. Well, yours is more exciting than mine. Mm-hmm. I, I was sort of like more like on like the lines of like your projects and that kind of oh, thing. Oh, <laughs> like yeah, the, 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 right. the okay. what, what this but podcast the, is actually I, about. Yeah, the, yeah, not your life, bro. Just not the, how I've been almost dying, <laughs> but how I've been cares. almost yeah. living. Nobody gotcha. cares, like Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Nobody cares. Just like your your writing projects. Your uh, like, yeah. how are those going? So I'm still mulling over. I have this one um, larger project, which is a continuation of something I started in college. Uh, it is a a story in the style of Sir Gowan and the Green Knight, which was an old English story. It used a lot of prose and rhymes, and I love that story. And I decided to mimic it and kind of make my own form out of it. And it's a lot of hard work because... Um, it's one thing to write what you want as it comes to your head, and then forms are a whole nother thing. Well, what do you mean by forms for like our uneducated listeners? Like, what is a form? Like, no, including me, because I'm uneducated in that sense. Like, what I just write just regular short stories, but you, you kind of do all the above. You do poems, you do short stories, you do all kinds of what quote unquote forms. That's the word you used. Yeah, I do like to dabble in a variety of writing styles. Um, and poetic forms in particular are really interesting to me. It's basically a set of rules for when you're writing. So whenever you're rhyming, um, you have to rhyme in a specific order. Yeah. Um, there are some insanely complicated uh, forms that have emerged out of cultures around the world. Um, I hope I'm saying this right. The gazel is one that is one of those incredibly complicated forms where 
you not only have to rhyme certain words at certain sections, but you have to reuse words from prior lines, but it's at the beginning of the line and not the end. Ah. And you have to do it exactly like, I want to say it's eight lines at a time. Is this from a specific country? I want to say this came from somewhere in Africa, if I recall correctly. Oh, wow. So. Never. Because it reminds me of, it has like the vibe of like haiku, like the haiku. It's like, we have strict rules. Same with this one. It's like, we have rules. You can't just like, oh, free spirit, go and write your thing. It's like, you have to follow the rules. Exactly. And so this old story didn't have any sort of specific rules. Like it wasn't referring to this form. They just said, we're going to write the story and they included um, five lines of rhymes at the end of each stanza they had of the more pro stuff. And I love that combination of just kind of free flowy old English, like thoust and they and right. heath of the court of nobility. And then at the <laughs> end, they have like this short little fun little rhyme to summarize what was about to happen next. So it's this fun, serious and then a little more playful or just airy and but it wasn't like it wasn't was this, it was a story though it didn't necessarily rhyme it was just a story with a certain like structure of having to like end with certain things it did rhyme but only in the like it was a mini poem at the end of each section like imagine a long paragraph and then at the end of that you make a little mini rhyme that's basically one sentence because it's it was very short each line okay so it's just adding some rhymes where they didn't really need to be any but these old authors were extra all the time and that's why us as modern writers sometimes have to be a little bit extra <laughs> if we want our writing to to stand out going above and beyond mm -hmm. basically i like being extra yeah it's extra fun. like extra bit. what just, <laughs> just extra just extra at everything extra large whatever extreme extra dazzle hit him with extra the razzle dazzle, dazzle. What kind of extra projects have you been oh, working on, Giorgio? Yeah, actually, I have a something I've been working on all this week, and I wrote very little of it, but it's my sister's um, a speech I will need to give at my sister's wedding. I will be the minister, so to speak, or the officiant at the wedding, and I asked her the other day, so how long do you think the ceremony is going to be? Is it going to be like, you know, 15 minutes, what is it? She's like 30 minutes. I'm like, oh, wow. That's that's a normal, decent size that's ceremony. Cool. That's pretty quick. It's not quick. That's not considered quick. For I mean, a whole ceremony? Yeah. How many things do you need to say during a ceremony? You only really need to say, what, let's get married three words, right? Yeah. Yeah, two questions like and, and two words, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, 30 minutes is a little bit of a long time. And I, at least I never did a ceremony that long. And if it was that long, it was for other things were involved. The people would speak. Um, my uncle's wedding, he had uh, a few special people in the crowd stand up and speak because he knew that there wasn't going to be that opportunity for them later on in the wedding. So he wanted to guarantee everyone a little corner of space and time to say what they want to say during his uh, during his wedding. And my sister said, no, none of that just all you and mine and and chris's vows her her future husband her to be husband so basically like for and just like for like the listeners basically it's like you like officiate a lot of weddings i have officiated over a dozen but not more than 20 so i've done enough to know a lot about them but I'm not a professional by any means. But this one is a little different because you usually just say like, okay, say I do, say I do, blah, blah, no, blah. No, no, no. no I, I, I do. don't do this thing, so I don't know. I do, I do give a little bit more 
uh, input and, and officiating. Yeah, I, I am more. Yeah. How much? I mean, pe- this is people's special day. I mean, a lot of these people only do it once. Most do it twice. Um, but it's still an important day. Everyone's able to celebrate. You don't want to just be like done and move on. That's what I'm like. Um, I'm just like, get it done. Let's do this. This is what I want. You don't want to just move on from your special day. You want to live in it for a little bit. Usually how much much legal like paper or foundation is required and how much is just you saying that like, if you were to just say, you know, do all your duties, but they theoretically then go do their paperwork and whatnot later. Or do they have to have that ready beforehand? No, that, uh, the paperwork needs to be ready beforehand because mm. I need to. They're responsible for getting it from the county court or whatever. Ah, so and if then, I was if I was like, marry me and James right now, you would not be able to do that. <laughs> I think, because that's what this was a trap. This is actually this just a podcast. This is just to get we, us. We married. no, you, you can't. I, I mean, it's been a beautiful <laughs> six months of knowing James. <laughs> it's been more than six months. Oh, it's been oh, like I six months and ten days. <laughs> Um, um, no, you need, you need paperwork from the government. Um, it's not, it doesn't take a long time. Like we could marry you guys tomorrow okay. if you're really out of oh, it. Oh, Like it, tomorrow morning when it opens. <laughs> you going to sleep on it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to sleep on it. Sorry about that. But, uh, but you, you do need a witness. Um, that's not me, mm-hmm. uh, to sign the contract as well. Usually the state courthouse person is the witness as okay. well. Oof. I can't be both the witness and the, the officiant. I actually was a witness at a wedding now that you mention it. Kind of yeah, interesting. You just need to sign a document. But before we get too far down the rabbit hole, the intricacies anyway. of weddings, and I was going to say, no, no, I was going to say this one's a little different because you're actually doing the speech, are you not? Well, I mean, I'm going to be, you know, dearly beloved. We're gathered here today to join Christopher and Sarah and not holy because we, they don't want to involve anything religious. No God. It's just, there is no God, no God, yeah. no Kings, just men. <laughs> Manly um, matrimony. Yeah, just, it's like just good matrimony. Mm-hmm. Let's keep religion. Uh, human, humanly human matrimony. matrimony. Yeah. yeah well, well, I mean, and you know, a lot of tropes actually uh, go out the window when you exclude religion from, from a wedding ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of inspiration from movies and blah, 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 kind of doesn't apply and i have to find different ways of like explaining what i think i was trying to understand what should i write about so that i could just put something to paper and start writing it because that's the thing it's like what do they want you to write yeah i need to guess it a little bit because they're too busy with their portion of the wedding to actually care about my 30 minute speech i guess and so they're kind of making sure they're pawning it off on me a little bit but they're also excited that i'm gonna do something because i think they think i will do something good I think about that. I think I'm going to do something good as well. But um, she we wants so me. No pressure. Yeah, no yeah. pressure. Yeah, it's so just, too, you know, like cool. 70 yeah. people and doing it in two languages. So there you go. Um, you didn't say it was going to be two languages. Man. Yeah, I'm going to have to, That's like, wild. basically I'm going to read, like, a full sentence in English and then do it in Italian. And it's, it's a little bit extra difficult because a lot of puns and a lot of, you know, play on words kind of don't apply. They're lost in translation. And that makes it a little bit difficult, but I'll, I'll find a way. You should do a third. You should do it in Latin too. And in, in Latin, Latin but just <laughs> just to keep it loose, you know. It kind of makes it a little religious, though. In a make sense, make sure the Catholic no. Church truly yeah. understands that we're not involving God. <laughs> the Pope way. gives his blessing. I don't know, but it's interesting that you just, like you say that. It's like so your speech might have to be like whatever you said, like 
15, 30 minutes, whatever. Yeah, it's like, how 40, do you know? 4,000 words. It's like, that's that's a pretty long. So it's like, how do you, like, where do you even start? And it's like, how, because this still like pertains to like what we're doing with like all of our writing and stuff. It's like, how do you get them hooked? So, and how do you keep them listening for 30 minutes? Yeah, that's that's the difficult part that kind of comes at the end. The, the most important thing is to make sure that you say what you want to say to in my opinion to the bride and the groom at the wedding you want to make sure they understand what you think being married means what you think love is and what the responsibilities of each partner would be and uh just how to behave in that sense and what kind of journey they expect to have because i think like a lot of the time like when i go to these weddings and stuff like all the speeches are this are the same like it seems like when like there's like yeah. the lady or like the best friend they give a speech and it's like they say Webster defines love and it's like hitting back on tropes. It's just like wedding. oh my god, Webster it's defines like wedding. defines wedding defines wedding as the as, melding of two metals. Yeah, and it's just like come on, man. Like you can do better than that. Like that's been done too many times. This isn't like a Hallmark movie. Well, you know, in the times I did the, my best work in terms of um, being an efficient, my best speeches, so to speak, at the at the altar were when it was a sequence of uh, like a roller coaster bringing up high 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 increasing the tension and the drama about how beautiful love is and how important love is and what it means to be a human and being in love and all that kind of climaxing and then breaking the ice with a very funny joke or a trope or something about the couple that everyone kind of understands so that they can kind of mellow out i also like to put things if it's someone that i know very closely like my uncle was or like my sister is and my and her her um her fiance are who i see usually like about once a week or something um it, i like to add jokes that are within our circle just us three which kind of leaves everyone in the you crowd leave all 67 quiet. people like but out it's, of the joke yeah it's hmm. because it's 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 just a little wink to them in 30 minutes it's a little wink to them that like hey this is like we're I, I love you guys and i'm so happy for you guys that's what i'm basically saying that's like my little applause that no one else will hear and it's just me and them and everyone will kind of be confused speaking of confusion actually one thing that is stumping me a lot my sister wants me to include in the um in the speech something from like a makita warranty um document something incredibly a makita warranty document for those of you who don't know makita for those of you who don't know makita is a power tool company oh. who oh, makes like drills okay. and stuff like that so she wants me to in, like put in or something like completely off the wall and has nothing to do with something boring that has nothing to do with weddings at all you should offer a warranty for the wedding <laughs> so, I, yeah is that called I, like a prenup or something like <laughs> I'm, you're I'm, all your money back if it doesn't yeah well, I can't guarantee that. Damn, my sister's an attorney. <laughs> well, how much are you man, charging? That makes That's it even question. better, man. That makes it even better. <laughs> what do you have to lose? Um, so, yeah, she wants me to just add something that's very weird and bizarre that everyone will just kind of be confused because I said it. But it still needs to fit somehow. No, here's what you do. No idea how I'm going to do you that. You stand up. Everyone knows the speech is coming. You just start reading word for word from that warranty document. <laughs> and just pick a time for 20 minutes for, for two minutes just set a timer two minutes you just stand up and you narrate it very you enunciate you make it you like get a tear in your eye if you can i mean you're just dramatic reading and real. Yeah. we have makita guarantee the quality guarantee. of our products guarantee damn the quality you. of yeah. our products 
or Japanese manufacturing surpasses everything you've ever made. In the United States. And then doves fly behind you into the distance, something like that. And, and every time you say Makita, you gesture to the couple as if you're talking to about them. <laughs> so you're using, but yeah, but like also it's like you're using, but using humor, using that as like a tool to like keep them hooked. Kind she, of thing. Uh, keep them hooked. People will like They're stop stuck listening. <laughs> but dude, you don't want to be like, it's like her day. You're talking about like, it's a, like this one time thing. You don't want to make it a boring speech, man. No, I, no, I don't want, no, it's not going to be boring. Like I said, it's going to be a constant um, roller coaster of highs and lows trying to break the the drama with with some from some funny jokes but she just gives me these kind of bizarro tasks that i've never had before where i need to somehow include a warranty document of a power tool somehow it'll make it, it it needs to make kind of sense up until the ending and people kind of put a question mark to it that's kind of the effect that she wants to have hopefully i find something and if i do i definitely will report it to you guys i'll let you know i need to get your guys' input on this your writing experience will come in handy because as you're describing what you're trying to do, I'm realizing that these ceremonies are like a very core and common storytelling experience that yes. so many people encounter and they all have the same questions. How do I not be too generic, but how do I make it so that it's connected to these people? And that's, that is just writing every story, honestly. So I don't have these like boring tropes basically. Uh Because if you were looking at the, you were like talking about the Reedsy prompts this week and it's just all essentially tropes. And we don't want to, when we're doing our writing, we don't want to be like these boring tropes that are been overdone before in the past. But at the same time, they're tropes for a reason. They keep people interested but you're like dancing on that fine line of I'm using a trope, but I don't want to make it too boring. If it makes any sense, like the trope of, for example, like the knight rescuing the maiden from the dragon or something like that. It's like that's a trope, I think. Yeah, that's a trope. Absolutely, it's a trope. I mean, yeah. and and they've done the anti version of that where Shrek goes and saves Fiona, right? Yeah, the anti trope is a trope now. Yeah, exactly. Humans look for patterns and everything, even our stories. It's like a comfortable groove. Um, but the real fine line is to keep people kind of riding the edge of those grooves without jumping them out entirely, unless you really are trying to do that and make something that completely breaks all the tropes. But most people like to know where things are going, and that's why movies with happy endings do so well compared to so many other movies. Sometimes movies with sad endings do well, though, at the same time. Yeah, that's fair. I would say maybe... um, What's a good sad ending it's movie? Anecdotal. A good sad ending movie? I think... Anywhere where a dog dies. Schindler... Okay, I was going to say Schindler's List. Oh, that was Schindler's all, that List was, that was, is that was, awesome. was that like a really popular movie, though? I wasn't really of the right age when I came out to be watching that as Neither like a popular I, movie yeah. choice. But uh, what, Schindler's List? I'm, I'm thinking... Um, yeah, Schindler's List. But, yeah. Um, yeah, all the sad ending movies I think of um, outside of uh, maybe a Marvel movie that came out recently. Oh, which well, those those never end sadly, though. They have yeah, to end. Nobody it's truly Marvel. dies in it's those Marvel. movies. They basically promised that there would be a happy ending. Um, You're guaranteed. It's, guaranteed. Happy. it's it, made by the Empire of Joy, Disney. <laughs> the so Empire of no Joy. There's no way. Like, yeah. But it's like, 
it's like just like overdoing those tropes that like sometimes you watch it and for example disney it's like we love their their movies and stuff but sometimes you'll watch a disney production or you might even read like something in a comic book where it's like okay this happy ending has been done like too many times or like just when you never been watching a movie where it's like i know this is how going to end i just don't know how they're going to get there i know it's going to be a happy ending and it's just you kind of finish watching it and you're just thinking to myself I kind of just, that wasn't really stimulating. I just, they overtroped it, if it makes any sense. Disney's in an interesting place, too, because um, since they do make children's movies, the tropes they use are new to the kids. They are establishing the tropes in the kids' minds. So as adults, at some camps, I think it does often feel like this movie's a little boring. I know what's happening. I know what's going on. And that's because you grew up watching movies like this. And I think that applies to most most people right now that are alive since movies have now been around for decades and decades and decades. Yeah. But I feel like we're also in a generation where we're just redoing everything. Like everything that was good 10, 15, 30 years ago is coming back. The eighties are coming back. It's like they're running out of ideas almost. Uh, And that's kind of what we hit on with this podcast too. It's like, how do we come up with new ideas? You know, instead of like going back and like the, like the treasure chest of what was good in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, super quick side note, actually, about running out of ideas on the film industry. I actually listened to a uh, who is uh, who who played Jason Bourne, Matt Damon, Matt Damon, explaining like producing movies nowadays. And they said that a lot of the laws have changed due to the fact that movies go to streaming rather than going to DVD and DVD rentals and DVD sales. That he said that most of their money came always from the DVD rentals and DVD sales. And due to the fact that that's gone away, the profit margins for movies are a lot smaller. They a lot they depend a lot more on ticket sales during at the movie theater, which means that the movie risk can't be diversified that much anymore. And a lot of the movies that he said that he liked to do when he was an actor in the '90s are just gone. You can't afford those movies anymore. The big budget Top Gun, uh, Jurassic Park. Marvel. They're just not safe. They're not safe to do. Those are super safe because everyone's always going to go watch them and they usually sell a lot of other stuff like toys where they make their most money from. Star Wars made more money from toys than any movie they ever sold or made. But more nuanced and obscure movies just have added risk to the fact that there's a lack of DVDs now. For many people, movies are a social experience as well. And what happens is whenever movies become so overwhelmingly popular like Marvel is, and that's all people talk about for the month after it comes out, you go see this small film that no one else has seen in your friend groups. That's, that's Some people do that. I mean, a lot of people do that. But for a lot of people, they want to talk about the movie they just saw with other people. And so they're more inclined to see the movies that other people around them have been seeing and recommending. If it was good. If it was yeah. good, of course. Yeah. If, if you walk in the theater and you're like, what should I watch? Are you going to pick, you know, possible new cult indie hit movie? Or are you going to pick the new Star Wars movie that you've heard Jim at the office and, you know, Larry down the street talking about and you haven't seen it yet and you want to talk to them about yeah. the movie? Yeah, that's good. Well, I don't know if Star Wars is a good example because just like with Star Wars, a lot of the people who are especially like the older stuff just kind of see Star Wars and they're just thinking to themselves, oh, this like really isn't anything new necessarily. And for anyone who's Star Wars fanatic who's listening to this, it doesn't mean that 
it's bad. It's just some people get this vibe that it's as not, a former Star Wars fanatic, it's bad. It's bad. I don't like the new movies at all. Okay. I heard the problem is that the diehard ones, the diehard mm -hmm. ones. Well, they just brought back Luke and kind of changed him. And I think they that was a major mistake. It was a big risk to bring him back that importantly in the last in the second or in the third uh, trilogy and change him that drastically. I mean, I I can go on a tangent about this and I'm sure you can probably fill a lot more time than I can, but. And once again, it just goes back to those tropes and like them being overdone in a certain way. They did make him a trope in a way. They made him a trope, the guy who returns and you can pull it off. But the thing is, if you rely too much on tropes, it just becomes uninteresting because I'm actually struggling with that myself. My story is essentially about this mystical, this mystical setting where the, you know, boy rescues girl kind of thing. But then again, my struggle with that is it's a trope. It's been used for centuries. And so my struggle has been, how do I make this not boring? Because it's so easy just to like follow like the patterns that we've seen in the past and make something that is yours, that's different, that sure, it might follow that trope, but it does it in a very creative way. I, I'm kind of struggling at the moment right now to kind of find a, how do we break out of this? Like, what is a good example of something that's not too tropey and it's kind of different? Is it girl saves boy? Is it that simple and formulaic to just kind of inverse the sexes or something? I can't. It I can't be that. It's not that. That's too easy. That's too easy. I feel like it's the same story. It's just, you know, sex is a spectrum and all that. But I think, I think. Like how do we how do we break out of that? What's a good example of a less tropey movie or uh, book or story? Well, if you want to go with um, oh, what is it? The modern films, which kind of follow that format. You think about Pulp Fiction. You think Pulp about Fiction. Memento. Pulp Fiction is perfect for breaking out of tropes. You th- most of Tarantino's films do that, um, and that makes more that makes you love or hate those films because you don't always get a satisfying ending. You don't really know what's happening all the time. Um, I yeah, I, I watched some films which were specifically the, the modern format is the idea that it does not have the flow that people expect from movies. Either the ending doesn't line up or it starts out in the middle of the story, or it doesn't lead to an actual ending that explains things. And there are examples of that, and they're generally not as popular. And I that's mean, But that's why Tarantino is so good. And just hitting on, uh, let's say, like books, for example, you ever seen you ever seen Fight Club? Fight Club was actually a book. Mm-hmm. And that is another example of not necessarily fighting that trope, of not necessarily, I mean, going on with those regular tropes taking yeah, a different I think direction Fight Club is a good anti-trope also anti-trope so. is i think the theme of this podcast. but how do how we make be, but your story is already pretty it's developed. already tropey it's already kind of tropey so, so it's like how do, do i not to, fall to like move away from that or do you think to sort of that's a good point it's i already have it set up and like i already have this this idea of like the guy rescues the girl but how do i i can do it in a non-tropey way though it's like i don't want to fall down that trope rabbit hole uh per se and as like he goes through like his mission goes through all of his trials whatever like the trial of hercules which is another trope going through the trials before you can do x y and z proving yourself yeah proving yourself proving yourself so it's like how do you avoid being essentially just boring just boring following those tropes i think oh i've i I must have watched a documentary recently or something, but Die Hard came to my mind exact as soon as you said that because it was like, like, how do we make a 
boy saves girl, non-tropey, but still boy saves girl. Well, I think Die Hard was like the definition of that back in the day because uh, I forgot the, the the hero's name in Die Hard. <laughs> like, um, I have to confess, I haven't seen Die Hard. Bruce Willis. Oh, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is the actor. Bruce Willis. The, the, the character. Mr. McClane. Mr. McClane. Exactly. McClane, Thank you, you so much. But the reason why it was yeah. non-tropic because at the time, Bruce Willis wasn't a huge guy. Like, he wasn't big and buff. He was, you know, the other stars were Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Like, tall, jacked guy. Schwarzenegger, like, won, like, Mr. Olympia how many times? I think mm-hmm. it was three or four. Um, and Bruce Willis, this kind of skinny guy, goes and saves a woman, and he's not a police officer. He's not a special. He was that officer. skinny. He, he was relatively. He was buff for the '90s. People were less buff back then, I think. Well, but, but he was. Die Hard was the '80s. Oh damn! It was like the end of the '80s. I think. I think. I don't know. I got. All I remember is the cell up. phone scene where the cell phone was like the size of your head. Yeah, the and cell it probably got off radiation. Um, but actually. 88. He, it was in 1988. Okay, so close to the 90s. But he, he, he was like this unaccomplished, not unaccomplished, but inexperienced action hero. And like, look at his arms. They're not that big. They're not compared he's to just huge. his yeah. arms for the viewer. He's, he's fit, though. He's, he's They're fit. like mine. A normal. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Compare yourself to Bruce Willis now. Okay. But I was gonna say, let's try, let's try an exercise actually, because just falling into those tropes is just such a, it's such an easy trap and it's such a struggle to like get around like those tropes and having it like define your story, making your story uneventful. Do you want to take out the? I was saying we could take out one of the Reedsy prompts and do that thing we were and, talking about. Yeah, I, tr- we can do that. But I do want to note and touch on that, like not all tropes, and I'd say even not most tropes are bad. No, there is a hilarious database that I like to peer out. Like once a year, I'll remember it exists and I'll go to it. It's a, tr- it's a tropes website and it's this huge database of tropes. You can find all your favorite shows in there because every single masterpiece falls into tropes. You can yes. classify it, it and group it together, categorize it and put it next to the most garbage media you've ever consumed. And there will always be crossover because it's just how you apply these tropes that are good or yeah, bad. They're going to exist. Tropes regardless. are neither good nor bad. It's how you apply them. And if it hasn't been done before, it will become a trope soon. Either like people haven't realized it's a trope, or if you're truly breaking new ground, there will be people to come along and make it a trope. Like so M. Night Shyamalan, like when yeah, he first came true. out, if he something w- gets good, it becomes a trope. Like right? when yes. he first like came out with like the twist of going back to Bruce Willis of Bruce mm-hmm. Willis being dead, but now he made this trope of there being a twist always at the end. And so then it became predictable in and of itself. That Yeah, you predict that there is going to be a twist. And so you're on the lookout and you're not, you know, as you get, as you watch more shows and more movies, you get used to it. It's like, that it wasn't a man. He was actually a banana the whole time. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's bananas. crazy, but still, but still. Yeah, that's banana. Yeah. Yeah, that's bananas. That's, that's the name bananas. of the movie. That's the name of the movie. That's bananas. to destroy the so, tropes, not join them. So <laughs> yeah, you exactly. want to, you want to run through an exercise through the read, read, read Z prompt and try to make it as so. not tropey as possible. Well, not, yeah. Constantly like, like I said, like I, like I said, it's tropes are neither bad nor good. It's just how they're applied. So I was saying, yeah, try to stay away from, try to not fall in line with those tropes to the point where you're not being creative at all. You're just doing like this, like a robot, just falling in with the tropes that you've seen everywhere and not coming up with creative content. No, I, I understand that in general, you don't want to, you, you can use, uh, tropes and you, you if they're good and well pu- well 
placed and you should yes but for the purpose of this exercise yes are we just running the exercise or do you want to let's i would say let's also run it so do it as little tropey as possible like every time we cross a trope we completely 180 on i say head. let's keep the idea of tropes in mind you don't need to do it where it's like this insane conglomeration of events that are so crazy it could never be a trope well but, I, I, maybe it's a trope itself then it's yeah just too crazy. it's like be on the lookout for that i say with this exercise i think that would be a good idea so which which one uh jordan i'll let you choose which what are our choices first of all yeah so reezy offers a number of prompts each week um we are of course in the september 22nd week so our prompts are the first start your story with a character saying where i come from the second prompt is write a story in which someone returns to their hometown. The third story is write a story about coming of age in a big city. The next prompt is write a story where a local takes a newcomer under their wing. And the last prompt is think of someone who stood on the periphery of your childhood memories, a classmate, a teacher, a neighbor, and cast them as the main character of your story. Um, out of all of those, I feel like the last one offers a lot more concrete. The last one is, it's difficult though, but it's the, a lot more concrete. The last one is the least tropey also, I think, out of the entire list. This is true. You don't have a lot of films where it's focused on, essentially, in the way they describe this, it's taking a side character and making them into a main character. Yeah. Which happens, but you're right, it's not often explored. And it's always, almost always an underdog story. But if we're looking at this in different ways... These are fully established people. They don't have to be. These aren't teenagers. These aren't up and comers. They, they don't have to be. It could be a teacher. It could be a neighbor. It could be someone who's had a full and robust life. And they just happen to be witnessing the main character as someone underdeveloped. Okay. So then you would say, we'll put the ball in your court today, Jordan. Which one would you like to use? Hmm. There's a lot of classroom stories. Um that certainly comes with all of its own tropes, but I feel like that's a good place to start where you have a teacher and they are focused on a student, but the student's not the main character, the teacher is. So is this your teacher from middle school? Or we say high school? Let's see. You can even keep that, we can keep, well, if you're the one, if starting out with Jordan, he has to pick that character. Maybe you could even keep it a secret and maybe we can talk about it maybe even afterwards to make it interesting, I don't know. Yeah, keeping in mind my schooling situation for most of the years, maybe one of you guys should pick a teacher. We're gonna, I didn't oh, we have definitely, a, a definitely have to do. We definitely have to do a teacher. We definitely have to do a teacher. An That's Italian teacher. Let's do it. That I like Italian. I, I like Italian yeah. teacher. Okay, um, I'll start then. This is um, an Italian, an Italian teacher. Um, his name is Mario. And oh he, God. his, no, I'm sticking with it. His name was Mario and he was born, uh, in Florence, in Florence. And now he's 27 working at a school for troubled youths who'd otherwise go to jail. But now he's working at this school to like help these youths who are getting into crime and these youths are maybe around 15 16 for example it's like a like a high school i guess you could say okay so this teacher mario he was also a troubled youth which is a trope however that's not why he decided to teach at this school he actually really tried to avoid that lifestyle once he grew up and knew better however he had a child 
who is not aware that he is their father. And this child has gone down some dark roads. And Mario now feels like a guardian. He he owes it to this son who isn't even aware of him to put him on the right path so he can skip the embarrassing years that Mario now looks back on with shame. Now that he's an established teacher, responsible adult. So Mario is juggling a kind of a complex life, mostly focused on being at school because he does work at this school, but he also needs to take care of his son, um, whose name is Luigi. And so oh God. Mario and Luigi uh, go to this troubled youth uh, high school. Um, Luigi, you know, he's been having trouble uh, with establishing his own identity. He seems to live in the shadow of a shorter classmate. Um, and Mario wants to make sure that Luigi can grow and uh, improve himself. So he's constantly trying to shadow him, avoid like kind of uh, massaging uh, the, the school in such a way that he is preferential treatment and he has uh, a better chance at leaving that, uh, that environment than the other school kids have. And by doing this, Mario starts getting in trouble with administration because administration starts seeing patterns. Hey, Luigi and Mario are always together. How can this be? How is Mario shadowing Luigi this much? It doesn't seem to fit. They don't have, you know, they, they don't have an established relationship. So one day they go on a class trip. And and basically what happens is they go to a sort of like a like a forest like a state park because a lot of these students um, he teaches biology and so he wants to actually like help these like trouble youths by taking them to an actual nature preserve to sort of help them get hands-on experience of what nature is like how to find biology in nature to make it more interesting but what happens actually is because this whole time they, he wasn't able to tell his son that he was actually his son. He doesn't know that Mario is his father. He does not know that. Because what happened is he had an, a relationship with another teacher who is his mother. And they actually ended up moving to Milan. But the relationship went south. He made some mistakes and they ended up getting separated, but not before the mother became pregnant with Luigi. And so he fled his responsibilities. Mario did, I mean, and he went from Milan to basically Florence, this the town that I established before. And basically he felt so... Because what happened to the mother of Luigi is that she died. She ended up dying in a car wreck. And that's how Luigi became such a troubled youth. He ended up having to go through foster homes, going through all this type of hell, essentially, um, while growing up. And Mario wasn't there for him. So by chance, by chance, Mario finds out that Luigi went to the school. And without telling him, he kind of like takes the kid under his wing. Yeah, and... So Mario is in this ironic situation where he wants to help his son, but he doesn't realize that most of his son's frustrations and insecurities and troubled nature come from him not knowing his father and desperately wishing that he did have a stable parental figure in his life. And he refuses to view Mario like that because Mario comes across as a creepy 
teacher who's just out to constantly hover around Luigi. And without that established dynamic, Mario cannot find that connection because Mario's too much of a coward as well to own up to having abandoned his child early on. They're in this constant flux of Mario feeling hurt and Luigi also feeling resentful until they take this school field trip into the forest and something goes horribly wrong. Yeah, so Luigi thinks it's a good idea to start stomping mushrooms while in the forest. Uh, he, he despises nature as much as he can because he grew up in Milan, heavy urban area. His mother was killed by a car, so it was like this, this twisted metal death trap kind of situation that he crawled out alive as a young six-year-old. I suppose. And um, so he's really into this artificial way of life. And he thinks that nature is effectively a weakness and we evolved away from it. And we as humans pursue technology over nature at a constant rate. And we can see that more and more. And so while he's stomping these mushrooms, he doesn't realize that one of these mushrooms actually ha hit a spider underneath. And this spider is like, like a wolf spider that's not a venomous spider what's a venomous spider a banana spider banana uh, spider maybe let's, i don't know if they're indigenous say to it's a indigenous venom spider it's an a indigenous kind of spider and then spider indigenous to italy uh, indigenous to mushrooms in italy yeah so this tropical spider somehow found is, is oh sorry it's not it's indigenous we established it's indigenous. indigenous so it evolved in the forests of florence um this banana spider bites billy because or bailey excuse me his name is luigi change the name now that's his nickname his name him Billy. We're gonna name him Excuse Billy. Me. Uh, I guess Billy now. Um, Billy. So you know, don't Luigi, change. No, no, his name is Luigi. Luigi. His name is Luigi. We're not okay. changing that. Luigi stomps a <laughs> stomps a mushroom, um, and a banana spider uh, decides to bite uh, Luigi. Um, Luigi. Uh, it's one of those spiders. It's like the one that bit Ice Cube. I think is in Anaconda. He becomes a stone for like an hour. Um, and if you don't uh, provide the antidote to the venom, he will die uh, at asphyxiation. Like his his lungs will slowly paralyze and die. And so Bill, uh, Billy, again, I'm stuck on Billy, guys. I'm sorry. You got a thing with uh, the name Billy, man. Uh, <laughs> Is there a Billy in your past who just no, can't get out of here? Get out of Billy your head. in my head. I, 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 something must have come across uh, but yeah luigi is just on the floor uh, uh on the ground under these trees watching the foliage slowly fall on his face completely para para paralyzed um uh, unable to starting to struggle to breathe and his idiot jackass friends think he's juggling around and like ah oh, stupid billy stupid luigi i'm gonna leave him there um uh, so his band of italian mates uh abandoned him in the forest but Mario realizes, hey, during the head count, you know, teacher head count uh, field school trip, Luigi's missing. Luigi's missing. His his I can't see his green hat anywhere. Where is Luigi? And what he does is he goes out to look for him. And what happens is he finds his son lying there in agony. 
And so he goes up but to he him. But can't see it, right? And he's he, paralyzed. He's just um, yeah, yeah. He's paralyzed there, and he almost misses him. But he finally sees him by the mushrooms, and he sees the horrible state that he's in. And so what he does, he's trying to figure out what went wrong. He's panicking, and in his panic, he just starts talking to his son. And he just starts apologizing for everything and he spills the beans. He says, I'm your father. I left your mother and she died. I, he somehow blames himself for the why the mother died. And he's saying, now you're dying and I don't know what to do. And Luigi can't speak because he's so full of this this toxin but he just looks up with at his father and not with a happy look more of just as a shocked a very shocked and maybe a little bit of a little bit of fright but also maybe a little bit of hatred as well and what happens is in his arms luigi dies in his father's arms but knowing knowing that this was his father. Uh, so the other teacher on the trip finds Mario blubbering over his son's clinically dead body. And she has sensibly called 911 at when the other kids are telling them the uh, situation. 111. 111. 111. 111. This is Italy. This is Italy. Thank you. That's why they take the fastest yeah. warp pipe down there. And they're already there. Mario has, of course, been useless to his son even now. He confesses, but he did nothing really to help his son out, just as he had most of the life. So the the ambulance takes Luigi away. Mario is just devastated. Uh, his co his co teacher Peach is just through with Mario's creepy antics with Luigi. Uh, he gets fired from the school. Luigi goes to the hospital, and his condition is not certain. They manage to bring him back, but he is comatose, and Luigi has a lot of thoughts in his head as he is laying on in the hospital trying to bring himself back out into the living world so luigi uh was brought back you know he was clinically dead for a good five to ten minutes uh you know the time for the uh, fortunately italy is a fairly developed nation and we have hospitals uh close by into state parks and and an ambulance was able to bring luigi in but they had to use this special turtle technology that they found out through like genetic engineering and medicine and so forth to kind of implant this rejuvenating and uh, 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 rehabilitating uh, uh, stem cells type research into uh, Luigi to allow him to become something of a, of a turtle uh, human hybrid, so to speak. Um, uh, and Luigi, um, uh, Luigi is now comatose, uh, running through his head. The fact that Mario is his father, um, trapped in this prison and this castle of lava and fireballs, um, slowly kind of building his hatred towards Mario. Um, and one day he thinks that he can break through. One day he starts feeling something in his toes. And he starts feeling the heat from this lava and he can't tell if it's the lava. He can't, is it just something else? But slowly, but slowly, but surely he becomes more aware of his body and slowly starts awakening. And Mario, like the loser he is, uh, started, you know, going to see his son every day in the hospital. But as time went on, that makes him a loser. 
Well, he I didn't finish this guy. Uh, he, he, he just gave up on him again. That's what I'm saying. He started going because he felt guilty because his son died in his arms and he, he professed his truth and all that. But, you know, after a couple of weeks and, you know, people can be comatose for years. We have examples of that people coming out of a comatose after the Cold War ended and being like, what happened? Um, and Mario instead gave up after just a few weeks. He's like, well, he's not getting better, you know, whatever. I, I, I failed this child anyway. I'm going to just move on. And he moved from Florence uh, to uh, Naples um, so that he could start a new life there and kind of put this child again behind his back. And as a plumber. Basically, as a plumber. As a but plumber. Mario's story is over. Luigi now has his own struggles. Basically, yeah. And so to capital off this Luigi half man, half turtle thing goes to find his father. He finds him a drunken mess and he takes him back to the to the castle that was surrounded by lava. That was also a medical facility. And what he does, he says, you made me into this and now I will have to finish you. And he throws him into the lava, his own father. And that's how the epic tale ends. Luigi breaks the free of his coma by throwing his, by sacrificing his father as a sacrifice. Father has sacrificed him in a sense. No, 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 no. I mean like uh, Luigi is like out of the coma now, mm, but okay. he's like a turtle person. He's like a turtle yeah. person. Oh, okay. And a so this like oh, okay. monster ninja turtle thingy goes all the way to Florence to get his father and on punches him in the face and on his back takes him all the way back if i may interject uh uh so luigi's in florence and the hospital he wakes up he goes see his father in naples in naples i'm sorry right? i'm sorry his I, I, father I mixed it up. is I mixed a plumber it up. now yeah uh in naples and he yes. is on a field trip with his yeah. new girlfriend uh, Daisy and yeah. Mario and Daisy are going up Mount Vesuvius, a very famous uh, a volcano uh, near Naples. And there is where Luigi, who uh, because of hatred for his father and wanting to abandon uh, his his previous life for a new one, abandoned his hatred for nature and embrace nature more. He changed his name to uh, uh, Bowser. And Bowser decides to uh, challenge Mario, his father, on this volcano. Um, and during the fight, like you said, uh, Bowser uh, has the, oh, excuse me, Bowser has mm -hmm. uh, the upper hand on Mario and throws him into the volcano lava. And that's, and that's how the epic tale ends with just uh, a turtle, a half man, half turtle throwing his, um, his uh, deadbeat dad into lava. So bam, there's our story. Very avant-garde and, and very, very modern. Very, man, we so like anti-troped the, 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 the fuck out of that thing, man. We so anti-troped it. Can we say fuck on this We have to put an E on our podcast now. Okay, Thanks, yeah, guys. we have to put, no, we can, we can still delete this. <laughs> no, we, can, we, we can, fuck was like explicit. We can, oh, okay. we can, we can delete, we can delete this part out if we still no. don't want to make it easy cut, yeah. cut, cut it cut it <laughs> yeah yeah cut that cut that cut but that, yeah cut that, cut dude that. i was so proud of you how you took it into like the turtle thing and like the lava it's like because man like with tropes listen to me with like tropes you want to stick to the safety tropes provide safety but with what we just did back there yeah it went off the rails it went off the rails 
But it wasn't tropey, it man. Wasn't the trope. It wasn't tropey. Imagine, <laughs> wasn't imagine tropey. if we just stuck to the tropey thing, like, oh, his son then like lived and they became a happy father son couple. That would have been boring. Mm. No one would have wanted to hear that. No, it we was. Need a sad end. We needed a sad ending. We just discussed that. Yeah, we needed a sad ending, and we, yeah. you know, we we took a little bit, you know, from a couple of stories. I think you guys can put things together. I mean, obviously, uh, Star Wars was a big influence on this story. You know, Darth Vader throws the Emperor Palpatine down the down the shaft the video game the, the video game mario brothers was a, I, I can't believe you named oh, him that's luigi. what you were doing. i can't i can't believe you named him luigi like i can mario's a real name mario's a real name you're I, italian you have, a, you have a friend named mario you i have, do not you have no I friends have named very mario. few i know very few italians named mario but you know some named mario right but you had named i luigi. know more named luca you should have named him luca no, no that's not fair i shouldn't say what you should have done but you could have named him luca you couldn't name him I, anything. You chose Luigi. I, as soon as he said Mario, I was like, "All right, I'm taking this all the way there." <laughs> because we, because because that we that's sticking with the trope. That that's that's like the that's like the the temptation of going with tropes. Like I'm gonna name him Mario. Oh, now it's gotta be it's Luigi. Gotta be Luigi. That's gotta be sticking Bowser. sticking with the tropes and falling in that safety. But then you saved yourself. Because you talk about like him turning into a turtle person and the lava. Yeah, yeah. Anti trope. You know, Luigi. I don't think Luigi is. I mean, I established new lore in in the Mario universe. Yeah, <laughs> Luigi is actually Mario origin. Yeah, and Luigi is apparently son of Mario and Peach. But you're right. That and the the twist where the coma to, where the coma transformed Luigi into a turtle person. Not even metaphorically but like literally that's a great movie twist that's something <laughs> that's where, an amazing that's movie some, that's twist. one of those cult classics where people are like when it comes out they're like what did i just watch i hated that it's and like then Sharknado, they watch it again like sharknado it's a cult classic that you can't stop watching yeah. you hate it but you can't stop it or rocky horror picture show people yeah. when horror they first came show. out it wasn't really that well received and then over the years people are like no this is hilarious and genius and why and why is that because they didn't stick to tropes like sure like their shit went off the rails yeah but it's went so off the rails and it was so anti-tropey it's like it's like a breath of fresh air it's like we, I, we I haven't think, seen this i think that's a really good point actually rocky horror picture show kind of played off of the tropiness like they made obvious the tropiness of things and then kind of robbed you of that really quickly uh and that's part of the reason why it's such a great movie yeah i agree it's a good point i never thought about it that way i would watch the movie that we just created. We just created. I, would watch, yeah. I would watch that movie so uh, You get really fast. invested in the seriousness of the situation and yeah. the emotions. And then there's some, it jars your brain. And you're like, what did I think was going to happen? They would have a happy ending? No, it's a turtle person. And that's like no, the message that like we want to give. on a volcano. Yeah, exactly. And that's like the message we want to give to our listeners, essentially, is to be like, don't be afraid to take your story. That might already have some tropes, but then take that hard left turn and like have your turtle person throw someone in lava something like that like that you can go so many different directions with that so that's like just like my my take on that so that's been our exercise in how to attempt to avoid tropes sometimes you gotta go off the rails but you can notice you can pull some tropes that were laced throughout that story too the tropes exist it's like trying to drive on a road without road you know the roads yeah, are going to be there. You want to go without road. You're going off road. The road, the roads can take twists and turns, but the road is still there. So. Yeah, but it's scary though. To be fair though, it is like scary. You're, like the thought in the back of your brain is, people are going to think this is dumb. That's like the number one thing that pops up in the back of my head. It's like people are going to think this is dumb, but it's better that people think that it's dumb as opposed to people thinking that it's boring. Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's that's what I want to take away from it. 
Like, what's the point? As long as something is not boring. As long yeah, as it's, it's funny. Like, bo- yeah, yeah, it better dude. be funny. Boring, be one, funny. Thing, one thing we can think of, or one thing that we can all agree on, is, like, the number one goal is, like, don't be boring. Mm-hmm. That's, like, the number one yeah, goal. Yeah, you want people to be engaged in your story so yeah. they keep reading it, right? Don't be I, safe, man. I am not afraid to put down a book and say, I will not keep reading this. I know some people that, you know, have like this commitment issue with uh, material they read. And I had uh, a little bit of that sometime where I was reading this book that was incredibly poorly written. And, you know, but I read a incredibly poorly written. That's pretty poor. So bad. I mean, no establishing nothing. It was and it's a fantasy. So it's like, what are the rules? Who knows? It was terrible. I don't want to say what the book the, is. The, the sunken cost fallacy. It's like you don't fall into that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly. The sunken cost fallacy. Uh, I, I learned that in finance and everyone tells you, you know, don't do it. Like just if you see it, if it's costing you, then just abort, abort. Don't be afraid. So I feel like out of what we just did, we can give our own prompt to the readers now if they care to for the week. If you are listening and you would care to try to write your own pro- trope-free prompt, write an origin story. An origin Luigi. story for Luigi. Uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yes. Yes. Write your own. See yes. how weird you can get with it. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be long. It can be anywhere from, it can be 100 words. 100 words, 500 words, whatever, but give us that almost trope-free, that trope-free story, that background story for Luigi. Our Luigi, right? Like the Luigi from this story. Um, Any Luigi. The Luigi of Super Mario Brothers. Okay, fine. Let's make I'm a Luigi make Super Mario. The a, Luigi Super Mario Brothers. I'm going to make a Google Drive now, uh, or tonight, rather, and... Um, put a luigi origin story folder so people can upload their stuff we should start up and you can blog. and you can and you can email Where can people us put this up uh email yeah you're gonna you can send us an email at jajogeo25 at gmail.com and the one we like the best we're gonna read it next week to our listeners and we're just gonna and the person who writes that can just revel in the fact that they weren't tropey and they, they went off the rails maybe a little bit but they went against the flow and they wrote an interesting story and the most interesting one we're going to pick and we're going to read excerpts from it i'm going to write one and pick my own i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to i'm going to officiate to make I, sure we don't pick <laughs> i did not know we had an email <laughs> we, we will have an email after this. Oh, we, will. we will have an email don't tell the listeners that don't tell them that we will have an email you will have an email after this I episode. I love that you added 25, and you don't even know. You're for <laughs> sure that there's Because there were 24 Jojo already Jojo. taken. Jojo Gio could be a very popular name in Italy. It's a safe it's option, not, but it's, it's a, a trope. Name. It's a trope. It's a trope. So just to make sure we don't fall into those tropes, I made it 25. Okay. I'll, I'll make it 26. Fuck it, I'll make it 26. I mean, All right, Jojo any, any marketing yeah. person will tell you not yeah. to. But. Yeah, yeah. So just playing on the safe side. Well, it'll be a throwaway for this week. <laughs> it'll be the throwaway. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that. And that's what we'll do next week. So, and I think that is... is that our time? I think that's all of our time. Um, we're fine. We got we're, time. We're, we got time. Okay, we can, yeah, we can cut all that right, out. Let's end strong. Cut we're ending. <laughs> we're ending strong. Yeah, let's end strong. Okay, okay. Let's end now. Okay, yeah. fine. So without... Um, so just signing off. Uh, my name is James. My name is Jordan. And I'm Giorgio. And this is the Jojo Geo podcast, writing podcast, and we'll see you uh, in two weeks. Mm-hmm.